guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This episode is sponsored by Fab Flower and their Nourishing the Nation campaign, which is highlighting the importance of fiber this February. All bread and flour products contain fiber, and we want to highlight them as a valid and important way of introducing fiber into your diet, as we are supposed to be eating around 30 grams of fiber a day, and a lot of us are not meeting those needs. So if you're looking to increase your fiber intake, then flour products can be a great option. If you want to learn more about Fab Flour, you can go to fabflour.co.uk or search the hashtags FiberFebruary or hashtag NourishingTheNation. Hi guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. This week we are here with Tali Rye. Hi Tali. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to chat to you today because uh, you know a lot of the time we address intuitive eating on this podcast and I think to now talk about intuitive movement, which is something we actually haven't really discussed at all, um, is going to be very, very interesting. I'm excited because I think, well, we'll get into it, but intuitive movement is very much a kind of extension of intuitive eating mm. and it takes the, the principle of joyful movement and just really expands on it because you know just as our relationships with food can be so complicated so can our relationships with exercise be and just as we have rules around food we have rules around movement and you know, when you're unpacking your food stuff, you're like, oh, hang on a second, there's this whole other component here that needs its own level of attention. You know, it's not necessarily just an extra little thing, it can be the whole thing. So I think it's important that we're addressing food and movement in in equal measure. Yeah, especially because like you said, they're so intertwined, Um, especially if you've struggled in the past with your relationship with one, it's very likely you've compensated in the other. Um, So yeah, you can't, move forward unless you dissect both both yeah. options yeah and movement yeah definitely and I think well in person my personal experience is that you know food like it was like what came first the chicken or the egg for me was it food was mm. it was it fitness and when did both either one of those things stop being the kind of fun Thing I did and became that like perhaps a bit more obsessive perhaps a bit more um regimented um with without it started to have little flexibility and started to become something that I had to do or I felt you know obliged to do rather than something I wanted to do and I think it's a really really fine line and a bit of a gray area um you know are we working out because we want to feel good and we we enjoy the endorphins or Or subconsciously, are we working out because we feel guilty that if we don't work out, then we can't eat carbs for dinner or, you know, we can't um, have a big, you know, get um, Deliveroo on a weekend, you know, like when we're just constantly trying to manage these things in our mind, we realize that um, movement, like I say, is just as complicated. And so, you know, I want people to have that really peaceful relationship with food and I think with it kind of hand in hand is is 
is the relationship with movement as well and yeah. both those things can be kind of happening um some people say, you know I've done the food stuff now I'm ready to think about movement or you know I've got a really good to a good point with my relationship with food now it's time to think about how I how I relate to um exercise but I think I identify like a few different kind of categories of people I think there's the the category of the all or nothing person the person who only exercises um in perhaps short sharp bursts and I say that in the, the sense of you know the six weeks leading up to a holiday mm. the January um and then there's periods in between where there's zero exercise because exercise is so tied to the idea of it having to manipulate your weight or your aesthetics if you can't be bothered to do those things and equally if you equate embarking on um exercise and having to go on a diet as one of the same thing then you don't want to be on a diet 24 7 365 days a year so there are periods where you're like well I can't be bothered to do this like I don't you know I'm if I'm you know eating a certain way then I'm not going to exercise because there's no point like what's the point so I identified that as an the all or nothing crew then I think about um and generally those I think those people those people would identify as like having looser boundaries around that style of movement Mm -hmm. then we have the kind of person who's very regimented and rigid and has very like rigid rules and structure around the way they move and so there's a little room for flexibility within that um perhaps similarly to the same people with in the all or nothing generally a lot of it is fueled from a place of guilt and shame and fear and the fear is if I don't do this if I don't do x amount of sessions a week if I don't make sure I do cardio however many times a week my body will change and that is bad and so Mm. a lot of what we're doing is kind of unpacking that fear removing the guilt and helping people to shift their mindset so that they can fall into the third kind of camp which is that intuitive camp where you you have a happy relationship with exercise where it doesn't define you but it works with you instead of you know it's about working with your body rather than trying to punish your body into submission and exercise your body into submission to look like the fitspo images that you've seen Mm. or or your body goals image and so we want to get to a place where you're listening to your body where you're not constantly outsourcing you know the different types of movement you would like to do so for example hit is a massive trend at the moment and I think a lot of people do hit because we've read we've seen we've followed someone on social media who's told us this is the best thing for fat loss Mm. so that's why you do it do you actually enjoy it do you actually you know does it give you the all the feels you know does it does it lift you up or are you doing it because everyone else is doing it um and I so I think that yeah like I say there's there's layers to this but we want to try and get people to shift to that intuitive approach where you're listening to your body and finding the movement that brings you joy hence the joyful movement aspect yeah would you say as well that you know like you said we get so much benefit from movement you know it makes us feel good it releases those endorphins if you are exercising purely because you know you're burning off last night's dessert would you say I don't know if there's any research behind this but that kind of inhibits that benefit that you might get from it because you're so kind of stressed out 
over, okay, I'm moving because I need to burn off this piece of cake? Well, I think I think there's probably two ways to think about it in the sense of when you're doing things from a place of fear and guilt and those types of things, um, psychologically it might not be you might not be experiencing the benefit. Physiologically mm-hmm. you you may be, but it yeah. also it's very individual depending on if the person's over exercising or not or exhausting themselves and having little rest days. Um but as you said, there are so many benefits to moving your body regularly and we kind of don't talk about them because they're not very sexy. It's not very sexy to talk about bone density. It's not very sexy <laughs> to talk about, um, you know, even your mental well-being. It's not very sexy to talk about decreasing risks of certain cancers, of um, certain diseases, um, you know, improving cardiovascular health. Like that isn't making the headlines. You know, can you drop a dress size in six weeks? Mm. That's going to make a headline, sadly. 100%. So it's like we don't talk about these benefits enough. And when we do discuss the benefits, you kind of realize pretty soon, you know, even when you are looking at research that says, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a drastic body transformation. You don't have to lose a ton of weight. You don't have to um, drastically change the way you look to experience those benefits. You can get those benefits um, regardless of if your weight changes or if your body changes. Yes. And this, you know, with intuitive eating and with intuitive movement, both is true that we can't guarantee the outcome of what your body's going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's starting point is different. We don't know if you're going to gain, lose, maintain. We don't know if your body shape's going to change. We don't know and we can't promise and we know we can't promise. So I think what I really try to get across to people is saying the best workout, you know, the best thing for you is the one you enjoy and therefore can do consistently because then you're enjoying the physical and mental health benefits, which are so important and sadly get lost along the way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like it's just about finding something that is like consistent, that's just going to add to your life. And it's the same thing with food, to be honest. Like there's no point in just because someone next to you is eating X, Y, Z because of whatever health benefits they think doesn't mean that one, it tastes good or that those will have benefits on you. And it's kind of just really, actually, I think it comes down to just being a bit selfish and putting your needs first, which feels really uncomfortable for so many people. But just identifying that, you know, just because this is what you see out there and this is what's in the media doesn't mean that you can apply those rules to you. Well, that's what that's what I think being intuitive is all about, is realizing that the bet the best expert is you. Like the, the person who knows you best, who knows what's best for you is you. Yeah. And, you know, through dieting, through diet culture through social media through you know various ways we have outsourced that kind of inner knowledge we don't trust ourselves we don't have that necessarily that connection or the trust that we do know best so that's that's why we you know are looking for people to give us meal plans and we're looking for people to put us on workout plans as well they have their time and place we we will get to that they have the time (laughs) and place um similarly meal meal plans have their time and place especially in eating disorder recovery but i think um we're constantly outsourcing so we just have very little trust with ourselves and this whole process is about 
rebuilding that trust and strengthening the connection to ourselves and saying you know what do I want to do how do I want to move what actually makes me feel good how do I feel before and after I work out you know how um this is why I really encourage people rather than taking progress photos which I think so many think that's how the best way to track fitness Mm. um track write down how you feel write down how you feel before and after workout write down how you feel you know even just with each week you know this time at the moment we're in the midst we're still in the midst of this pandemic and it seems never ending and getting outside for a walk as much as like it's actually somewhat unappealing in the sense of like please can we do something else (laughs) but the actual act of going outside and having fresh air and moving Mm. your body and getting away from your desk or wherever just just moving is so revitalizing and so I think important and I I do think that this year of slowing down and we have been able to utilize exercise for our mental well-being more which I think is really positive I agree um and I do think that is a silver lining of a very crappy situation (laughs) um that we are, we have been able, we've kind of been forced to listen to our bodies more. However, with that comes a lot of discomfort in our bodies because for lots of us, our bodies have changed. We feel a little bit alien. I know I feel a bit uncomfortable in the sense of, you know, I used to live life at 100 miles an hour, here going here, there, everywhere, and to be kind of wake up and feel like every day's the same you know, or I'm pretty much staying within the same four walls most of the time. Um, It's really hard. And so we often channel a lot of that emotional frustration and, you know, the kind of the experience of, especially the experience of what it's like to live through this pandemic, we're channeling it into our bodies. And that often, you know, that shows itself as negative thoughts about body image that shows itself as you know feeling like okay I've got to you know get on the all or nothing train again and right I'm gonna go work out every single day and we notice that we start falling into these patterns and behaviors um because it's a learned coping mechanism that we have Mm. learned doesn't really serve us long term but short term it's like what what we can do to kind of you know put a put a band-aid on a on a difficult situation yeah Yeah. I actually sorry sorry. no you go I was gonna say you brought up body image there and I just think it's interesting people use exercise to try and improve their body image what what were your thoughts on that? Well, exercise can improve your body image, um, but it's all about the intention behind the exercise. Mm. So we've been talking about intention a lot today. Um, and also how you talk to yourself and how you think about the exercise you're doing and versus pe- perhaps you're doing YouTube videos, perhaps you're doing classes, perhaps you're doing workouts, the language the instructor uses. Um, there's a really interesting study and I'm gonna not I'm gonna give you a rough outline without remembering the full details but (laughs) the study is basically there's a work there's a workout class um with 
um, I think college age level uh, people participating. Um, so young adults, um, early 20s, and they are doing the same workout, but the instructor is given a different script for each workout. So the first class, the instructor says to everyone, um, so we're going to be doing press ups to get rid of your bingo wings we're going to do these squats to get you know to help reduce cellulite we're going to stop your tummy jiggling and we're going to do sit-ups I'm like cringing already um, just like thinking about yeah. that class <laughs> and then they spoke to the people after the class and like how did it make you feel like what are your thoughts and obviously people are like oh well I'm suddenly really self-conscious about my arms again like I didn't I don't know like oh maybe I should be worried about my thighs more than I am and you know it kind of started focusing on what the body looked like and the second class was um same instructor same workout but the language the instructor used was all around you know we're going to do squats to make you feel powerful and strong press-ups to make your you feel like you can lift your shopping when you get home and all the all the language that was used was was not about changing the body it wasn't about come on let's burn as many calories as possible it was all about focusing on what your body can do and what your body is capable of and so when we shift to the mindset of focusing on what you can what your body can do exercise can be a fantastic tool in building um more you know greater body image resilience but sadly fitness often gets marketed as fit as you know exercising to change what you look like and therefore mm. we get stuck and bogged down in you know oh I should be looking like this I should do like this and we also feel quite self-conscious about how we look when we're exercising um yeah. so I'm a big fan of and I um you know there's a fantastic phrase by uh, Lindsay and Lexi Kite they have a non-profit organization Beauty Redefined I don't know if you're aware of it but I'm a massive fan of their work and one of their biggest mantras is your body is an instrument to be used not an ornament to be looked at and I think that applies so well to when we think about movement and, mm -hmm. and exercise and you know when we think about okay what am I doing or you know or focus on building up our strength to be able to do certain things so you know in a personal training setting I'm encouraging people to really celebrate their wins when you know you're lifting a heavier weight than you were last week or wow you particularly in lockdown we've been obviously limited what we what we can do yeah um things like press-ups one of my clients is doing these press-ups that they had never done before because we've been forced you know we've been had more time to really focus on them and this year they've just come on so strong and you know just to look back and say do you realize how far you've come and look what you're able to do and just really celebrate that because those things are you know I think extend to our deeper internal motivation and the the internal um that the motivation that we're trying to cultivate that keeps us going long term you know yeah that's actually and, something we speak in our book about like the difference between external motivation and internal motivation mm -hmm. and how that can drive your um one your overall motivation to do something but when you're internally motivated you're much more likely to stick with it in the long term you're more likely to be consistent because you're you're doing it for your own personal benefit so that is often guided by health in terms of like when it comes to your food so if you're internally motivated to improve your health and your mental health and feel good and it's less about those external motivations of 
aesthetics, because that tends to be more of the external motivators, um, that is when those cycles happen. And I don't know if I can say, like, just because I'm not a personal trainer and I have, like, not a very, not that I don't have a good relationship with exercise. I'm just, like, not a consistent exerciser. Um, but, you know, can you apply when you're guided by external motivators, you tend to fall in that, like, binge restrict cycle. Um, does a binge that's, restrict cycle exist in well, that's exercise? What, that's what the all or nothing thing is, right? Got that's it. So what, those are that's the people, like, holiday, like, before holiday, binging yeah. on exercise to achieve mm. those externally motivated aesthetic goals, and mm. then they stop, and then they feel guilty, and then they ramp it up again. Mm. It, yeah. it, it is, it is. Um, it is the binge and restrict cycle, but the movement version or the idea of, um, yeah, like you say, like leading up to, to any event, whether it's a holiday, wedding, you know, all these sorts of things. Like I know people who have, you know, spent an awful lot of money on personal trainers and, and done all these workout programs and they got married. And then the day after they just literally didn't hit the gym for like a year because it was like it was so intense. It was so leading up to that one particular moment that they didn't actually really know what to do after that. And yeah. I personally think this is where, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, 12 week transformation workout yeah. programs available, whether it's apps, programs, influencer selling online. Same whatever. in the diet world. <laughs> it's the same diet world, as you know, and like, I'm sure you've picked up the pieces many a time for people. Yeah. When people get these transformations, when they've got their before and after photos, I'm so interested in, because people, like, we herald the before and after photo, that after photo gets so much praise, and you've yeah. worked really, you know, you've, you've spent all this time and energy and money and dedication into, into that moment, and it is a moment, because as we know, it, it doesn't last long term, and so mm -hmm. we get stuck in the, like, well, Firstly, you get to your 12 weeks, you've taken your photo and everything. Um, what happens after that photo? Like, that's yeah. what I'm most interested in. What happens after that? And sadly, I think that's when we can become quite disordered with how we think about food and exercise because everything, you know, we get that photo, we get that body that we've dreamed of. And then we're terrified of losing it. We're terrified yeah. of the repercussions of what happens because we experience, this is the most messed up bit for me, because we experience so much praise and validation and they're like, wow, look at you, you look amazing, that if we aren't able to live up to that, if we gain some of the weight back, if we, you know, find ourselves unable to eat out of Tupperware for the rest of our lives, then we feel like a failure. We feel yeah. like you know, there's so much shame, there's so much shame around around not maintaining that. And I think that's what isn't spoken about. So we see all these shiny images on social media, you know, everyone's got, it's one of the biggest, biggest marketing tools in fitness, especially. And yeah. yet we just don't hear from those people like two years down the line, six yeah. years down the line, 10 years down the line. Um, because those people are likely either having to you know you hear like the statistical kind of unicorns of people that do maintain these these drastic transformations but we kind of like look into it a bit further and you realize that there's heavy preoccupation with food with um you Lots know of restriction the macros mm -hmm. restriction rules there's still um you know a certain rigidity to 
movement to your workout routine and and what you do um and sadly that's like quite praised and you know he yeah. does like mm-hmm. this is so it's great. like an achievement yeah like wow look at them they're just really disciplined they're just really yeah, disciplined. yeah. and like and- discipline is like equated with like all of this success where it's like oh yeah. my god and in like order so much to willpower yeah yeah but like how much of life are you missing out on when you are so-called air quote disciplined like Mm -hmm. discipline doesn't equal like happiness I wouldn't say and I think that's like I mean I could do a whole episode on like before and afters because I think (laughs) I think it's like when you have those two very obvious juxtapositions it's like like you said everything that you said about like the after the praise the oh my god the okay now I have to keep it up but like automatically without even thinking about it the antithesis of everything that you just described is applied to that before picture where it's like oh you were lazy you were xyz Mm -hmm. whatever I'm not gonna list it but and nothing you might have been so much happier at that before like there's just I don't know I think I I could literally unpick it for like days but how like the before and after like you don't and we talk about this so much that like you don't know someone's mental health or overall health like you might have been a lot healthier in the before picture than you were in the after just because you changed your food and exercise habits doesn't equate health and Mm -hmm. I think that it's so often lost in the conversation I do think there's this like big movement away from it mm-hmm. so like I think we're getting there like I really do um like I work in health marketing and we have like a strict no before and after policy because we just know the impact on mental health and everything and we just know that you know we will never never go there um so I think that it's moving in the right direction but yeah it's I I, 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 I do think yeah. the exercise world is a little bit further behind though than the food Agreed. stuff yeah because there is you know I even see so many personal trainers who, you know, they're ripped, they've got their six packs and what they're doing, you know, and I have to unpick this with my clients. And they say, I've honestly had clients recently say to me, I follow this girl on Instagram. She's got so much willpower. She's so disciplined. Why can't I be like that? And like you said, Tally, where's she going to be two, five, 10 years down the line? Probably not in a very good headspace. I'm that fitness influencer who was the super disciplined. I was like, going, so I was like going through my camera roll and going back because literally I started having an iPhone when I started getting seriously into health and fitness. And it's like documented all in photos on my phone. And I look back between the years of 2013 to about 2015, 2016, which is when I was probably in the depths of of diet culture, essentially. And my, my camera roll all my memories revolve around the meals I ate. I took pictures of every meal I ate and workout selfies. And I'm not joking. There's very little of anything else. I went mm. on a family holiday and I distinctly remember this. Um, and, you know, it was actually quite a, when I think back, it was quite a depressing time. And it was when I was, you know, really slipping fast into a very disordered relationship with food. Like I took my food scales on holiday. I, counted macros on holiday in France with my family and they were you know like what the hell um and there's no photos of that holiday I took photos of the food but I've just got like no photos of me my family just just enjoying the experience you know I just was so focused on and so consumed with food and exercise and you know it wasn't long after that when I started working as a personal trainer and I think 
there's a lot of fitness professionals there's a lot of fitness social media influencers and I'm going to speak broad strokes because I don't know everyone's individual situation but from my own experience and just you know where who I've met and where I've been I think there are a lot of people in fitness who and I wonder if it's the same for nutrition like you get into this stuff because you have a very personal you know for me it was an obsession with fitness and food and you know I thought it was I kind of I think the the lines were really blurred for me between obsession and passion and you get into it like with the best intentions but it's also a great way for you to be able to justify a lot of your thoughts and feelings and behaviors around food and exercise and so a lot of what we're seeing are people in these positions of authority who like are human beings who also have their own relationship with food and exercise going on and that gets projected out and that ends up being in interactions with like personal training clients you know you know it's really it's a really like tough thing but I think we have to be really wary of who we're getting our information from um and why that person's you know giving that information and and looking for you know those credible sources of information um you know when we talk about intuitive eating we know that there's over 140 studies you know to look at this framework um in action and to assess its effectiveness um and so we we know that that's and like that's the kind of thing I would be looking for if I'm looking for like advice like where's the evidence for this yeah show me the show me the studies show me the studies and show me the um you know what like is this because this this is what worked for you or is this because you know this is what I should be doing And, and I think we need to be really careful about that and I think the same goes you know I'm I'm very anti-personal trainers doing any sort of nutrition I think we should stay in our lanes and leave it to the nutritions and this and the dietitians um and the same goes for us like we should never be giving exercise advice like look we all have our personal education journeys and we all need to and I think that one it just needs to be more like inclusive like we need to rely on we need to trust the personal trainers and the personal Mm. trainers need to trust the dietitians and nutritionists and have that communication yeah and work together because ultimately an individual just deserves the best level of care and deserves like the expertise of both people and so I think we just need to be really careful about that and um you know I I don't know maybe my my I'm in a bit of an echo chamber and I'm thinking there are less personal trainers giving out nutrition advice I'm seeing like not so much of it Mm. but um which I think is really promising and really important but I think you know just yeah I think just be just it's it's just realizing you know what that person's own thoughts and feelings are about their body food and exercise are likely to perhaps come up you know be an ex- as, a, as a client you you may feel like that's being projected onto you a bit yeah well I mean people are coming to us putting their health essentially in our hands so you mm. know we need to be doing right by them but in our book we talk about finding that balance between eating for health and eating for enjoyment and I would love to hear your thoughts on exercising for health yeah. whilst exercising for enjoyment and how to find that balance for anyone listening who 
is maybe you know doing hit workouts five times a week because they think that's what is air quotes healthy so we know that the last principle of intuitive eating is um gentle nutrition Mm -hmm. and so in the principles that I kind of reworded to specifically focus on intuitive movement, we talk about gentle guidance. And so this is like the cherry on top of the cake. So I always say to people, when you're when you're kind of working on your relationship with food and you may and with and with movement, sorry, and you're exercising, you're probably gonna go through a period, you know how people like suddenly they feel like they don't have any rules. So they you know, you might call it I think um they call it like donut land, right? Yeah. Similarly with movement, you might have that time when you literally do just want to sit on your sofa and rest and it's net it's the only marathons are Netflix marathons. Like yeah. that might yeah. be what you need, what your body needs and what you mentally need to get you back to that like middle ground of mm-hmm. where you can add in a bit of structure and routine and find the movement that works for you. Like the pendulum swings from one end in the diet mentality to the other end. And then we're trying to work our way back to the middle and find mm-hmm. out what the middle is for us. Cause it's different for everyone. So we have this principle of gentle guidance that we think about. And that is very much, um, like I say, that cherry on top of the cake where you may have taken away a lot of that structure you've had around exercise. So say you are doing five hit sessions a week, you may go down to doing zero sessions a week, or you may want to only do yoga, or you may only want to stretch and, you know, go for walks, which is absolutely fine. Everyone's an individual and their journey is their journey. Gentle guidance is kind of the idea that, um, we can add in, we can like add back in, um, you know, with regards to thinking about our training, we can add back in some sort of structure. So if you do have goals that you want to work towards, because I think a common misconception with intuitive movement is that you don't have any goals, you just do what you want, which is definitely mm. a part of the process, but there's certainly room. Same with eating, goals. it's like, oh, it's eat what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you're like, well, yeah, that is it, but there's also more nuance and there's more things yeah. there. And it is like, you absolutely do have goals um, if you want them. Perhaps you want to be able to do 10 press-ups. Well, you're going to have to train for that and you're going to have to plan that training a bit and, you know, add in a, a few things and and put different sessions in to make sure that you're able to reach that goal. So I often use the example of like training for a half marathon, say, and you want to run. Like I would never recommend someone just wake up one day and intuitively run a half marathon if they've never done any sort of, running training before right oh my god that's me I'm just like picturing myself I'm like not a runner I don't think I've run since high school and I'm just like picturing myself like I just couldn't think of anything worse yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot if you're on a half marathon and oh my god so then we kind of go okay well you want to do this goal perhaps it's for charity perhaps you want to you know you're doing something or it's with friends and you know there's that element of joy and purpose in it and intention behind what you're doing that comes from that in, intrinsic motivation we spoke about. Mm. And then you're like, okay, well, I need to definitely start running to build up to this. Like I can't even run 5k at this point. So how are we going to get to, um, you know, 13 miles? So we would start doing a level of programming that allows for flexibility that, and you know, when your body's telling you it needs to rest, then you honor that and take the rest um we you can um you may know that you need to therefore include mobility in your weeks you need to include a form of resistance training in your weeks whether that's body weight or with weights but we know that those two things are really going to help you feel comfortable when you're running and that's going to you know give you longevity in your training 
Um, so those things are important. And that's where we add in that element of like that, you know, the idea of like that health aspect of, mm-hmm. of thinking about what's best for performance and, yeah. and that stuff. And when we're thinking about enjoyment, I really encourage people to to really kind of understand that all movement counts. All movement mm-hmm. counts. And that can be like... Even just cleaning your house. I was about to say, literally, <laughs> the gentle walk or the cleaning your house or the hoovering or whatever, it's all movement. So that's fantastic. Um, and in fact, I think it's the World Health Organization just came out and literally said, all movement counts. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the NHS give guidelines of 150 minutes a week. And as far as the World Health Organization are concerned, that does include cleaning. It was like yeah. cleaning or, you know, walking or whatever or... I can't remember the other things that listed or gardening, but I remember thinking like, yes, this is so great. This is being recognized. Yeah. So all movement does count. Thank um, God. And then within that, <laughs> like, what do you want to do? And so the question I always ask people and um, the kind of opening question of my book is, you know, how would you move your body? Well, the, fact, the opening question of my book is if exercise had zero impact on your weight or appearance, would you still work out? So that's I asked this to at. clients about food. I'm like, if all food had the exact same nutritional value, what would you choose to eat? <laughs> yeah. And it's, this, it's. do you know what? I, I've not heard that question before and that's perfect because that's the exact, it's the exact same yeah. thing. And then I say to people like, so if see people say like, no, then we explore that. If they say, well, yeah, okay. So if exercise had zero impact on your weight or appearance, how would you like to move your body? The same way, like, how would you like to eat? How would you like to move your body? And, you know, in my book, I've included like a big diagram of all the different ways I could think of. And there are so many more to add to it. But I remember asking this question on a podcast I was on and one guy said like BMXing and I'd never had the answer before. And is that like bike? Like, yeah, like, um, it's kind of like a, like extreme like biking, rough yeah, rough roads yeah. and like mountain biking. Yeah, kind that's of not for me, but so no, happy to that. Yeah, <laughs> so happy for him, and absolutely love that for him. But for me, no. I do remember. So if we we went into London a few years ago, and we took a dance class. Yeah, and then we got yeah, Wagamama's. Fun. <laughs> yeah, we were like, let's go do a workout dance class. It wasn't a workout. It was just like literally a dance class. Yeah. Um like a hip-hop class and then we got wag mamas and like that's my ideal movement but I think you touched on something before that I wanted to go back to it's like you said you mentioned flexibility and Mm -hmm. I think like that especially when we come to food like some people need structure and that's absolutely okay like identifying everyone's needs and working within their parameters is super important but it's having that that flexibility to be like if you don't achieve xyz that you had on your plan are you okay with that? And sitting with that feeling of, yeah, that's fine. Like I still did all this other stuff or, you know, my body just wasn't feeling it and I didn't, I didn't do it. And I honored that feeling. Um, so I think it's, it's having that flexibility, flexible mindset that I see with people with food that in my own training, um, the worst exerciser, but I have like started with, um, not an ad, but fit. Um, Mm -hmm. and they do like two week, um, like schedules and for me that's good because I need like a start and an end I can't do something for 12 weeks like I need like a two-week thing um and then there's like three classes in a week but like sometimes I'll only do one sometimes I'll do five sometimes I literally will be like no not this week but it's that's being intuitive right that is that's that's what it is and like that's you going with how you feel and 
you know, that could be part of your figuring out process of like, what does movement mean to me now? And how do I want to incorporate it into my life? And, and what do I want to do that makes me feel good? And yeah, having, you know, having classes to follow, having things like that, I think are so important. And, you know, things like your hip hop dance classes, by the way, once again, movement that absolutely counts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one thing to mention before we, um, finish I'm conscious of your time as well um is the idea of of certain barriers and what what counts and what doesn't count so one of Mm. so taking one of the principles you know chat um of intuitive eating like challenging the food police I say challenging the fitness police because there's a lot of rules around what counts what doesn't count yeah it's like have you worked up a sweat have you worked worked out for a certain amount of minutes you know have you know, it has to be more, it has to be 45 minutes or it doesn't count. Well, it can be five, 10 minutes and it can be something and yeah. that's great. Um, and there's a lot of rules we have around exercise. And I've done quite a few workshops with people on this and, and, you know, they'll say, you know, I say, if I don't work out in the morning, then I'm, you know, like I said, like not allowed to eat carbs in the day and stuff like mm. that. Like, like we said, these two things are so tied together. And one of the things that I think a lot of people, a big rule that people have is if I don't track it on my watch, it doesn't count. If I don't count my steps, they don't count. If I don't have a numerical value to what I'm doing, mm. essentially, it's not valid. And that's not true. And I think for those who are looking to be more intuitive with movement, I just really strongly suggest perhaps taking your watch off and having I a love break that. from it. Yeah. It's like we say with our clients, like, just don't weigh yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or just, like, delete my fitness pal. Yeah. That's something that we're often saying. (laughs) Yeah, get rid of the scales, delete my fitness pal. Like, don't wear the watch. Get the numbers away. (laughs) Get the the numbers away because you're looking at these numbers to, like, oh, is my what is my heart rate? Rather than going, like, oh, my heart, you know, I feel like I'm working hard. Mm. And I think it's important that once again there's nuance because the watch can have a place when we talk about that gentle guidance and so say you are running for that half marathon you're wanting to look at your pace for example but I think we need to not have our self-worth tied to whether we complete our activity rings or not and I really worry about people with that and especially at this time like you hear the stories of people like running up and down their stairs to finish their rings and Oh, that's gosh. weird to me that's weird. Yeah. I've seen conversations with people where people have got up started walking around the room to complete their rings or oh, because wow. their watch told them to stand up and I just think that's so bypassing yeah your, your body's yeah. body cues and intuition and that's yeah that like perhaps you can just finish on that like that's the kind yeah. of I think that's if one if people want to really start being intuitive today and thinking about the movement stuff my my strongest recommendation recommendation would be you know we have that first principle of reject the diet mentality and I say one of the dieting tools is often a Fitbit is often the the Mm. activity watch so just taking it off whilst you work on this stuff and realizing can you have it back in your life eventually you know down the road do I need this like can I be done without it or and if I do put it back on is it making me feel some kind of way again and then I need to take it off yeah I love that I think that's a perfect note to finish on Yes. Thank you so much, Tally, for coming on. I feel like we could have like extended this conversation in a million and 10 directions. Um, (laughs) The idea of intuitive movement that mirrors intuitive eating is so important. And thank you so much for coming on here and sharing it. Um, Where can everyone find you if they want to hear more about intuitive movement? 
Thank you so much. Um, yes, like there can be so much more said about this. Um, I, well, first two things, I've written a book about this. So if people are interested in intuitive movement, my book is called Train Happy um, by me, Tally Rye. And you can get that most places they sell books, Amazon, Book Depository, all those sorts of places available in the UK and the US. And second of all, I have a podcast called The Train Happy Podcast, where we kind of delve into these conversations in greater depth, talking about body image, intuitive eating, intuitive movement, um, therapy. I love talking about all these things. And thirdly, you can find me on social media at Tally Rye, um, just my name on mainly on Instagram, TikTok. Mainly those are two things I like to do the most. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, honestly, if people have follow up questions um, or thoughts, you know, we could look at getting you back on as well, because like you said, there's just so much to discuss. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And we will link everything you just said in the show notes. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Bye. 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 Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review and subscribe. And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.